It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I'm your show host, Randy Fine. I hope you're all out there doing really well. You know, in a world filled with distressing news, finding ways to rejoice in the simple everyday things that happen isn't a luxury. It's critical for one's well-being. If you really look, you can find plenty of reasons to feel gratitude and hope, peace and joy, but we all need a little help sometimes. Today's special guest, Irene O'Garden, actress, playwright, artist, poet, and award-winning writer, reminds us of the radiance of human existence. In her book, Glad to be Human, Adventures in Optimism, there is one simple message. Through contemplation, meditation, and with literary style, you're invited to view life through a positive lens. From small daily activities to journeys overseas, O'Garden has a knack for finding beauty and meaning in all life's adventures, even in our deepest pain and suffering, helping us to feel glad to be human. Irene O'Garden has won or been nominated for prizes in nearly every writing category, from stage to screen, hardcovers, children's books, as well as literary magazines and anthologies. Her critically acclaimed play, Women on Fire, starred Judith Ivey, played to sold-out houses in Off-Broadway, Cherry Lane Theater, and was nominated for a Lucio Lorgel Award. Her new memoir, Rising the Rapids, How My Wilderness Adventure Healed My Childhood, was published by Mango Press in January 2019. Good morning, Irene. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Randy. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Gee, you are such a positive force in, in, in during a hard time, such a breath of fresh air, which is um, something we really all need to hear, which is why I want you here with us today. Oh, so, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so um, your book, Glad to be Human, Adventures in Optimism, <clears throat> it certainly is. And as I was saying to you before we went on air, um, you managed to find joy, meaning, happiness in almost everything, down to the, the most minute things that most of us ignore. Have you always been like this? Well, I, I, I think it's so interesting, uh, the work that you do, Randy, because I am uh, the daughter of, uh, of a narcissistic mother, um, before we knew what that was called. Uh, and so I think sometimes when we are um, subject to that kind of energy in our lives, we scramble to find where we can look and how we can look that, um, that is away from the kind of demands that such a personality can inflict on us. And so I'd say I did begin to develop the habit early uh, as a child. Also, I think the you know the older I get, the more I realize it's 
not only a really practical viewpoint, because it's like, we're going to go through stuff anyway. Why not look at the, the things that we are deriving from it, the lessons that we're learning, the pleasures that are inherent in being alive in a human body? Not only that, but I, I believe we share that kind of native optimism with, with all beings. You know, I, I like to say, you know, if cells weren't glad to be cells, could they metabolize, <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> if, if atoms were ashamed of being atoms, could they even get together to create the world of matter that we know? It'd be kind of like, no, nah, I'm not very good at making cells. I, I'm just not up to it. I'm going to sit this one out. No, and we laugh because we realize the world actually runs this way. The, the, our physical world... The, the animal world, the plant world, we are all meant to grow and to thrive. That's, that's how nature built us. So, so I'd say it's been with me, but it, I continue to look more closely and to refine uh, this point of view on life. What a beautiful way to live. And, you know, and yes, while we all should find positive in everything, you have this magnifying lens in which you look through things that um, I don't think that the average person sees that but after reading your book it opens you up to begin to look at things in a very very different way you have quite a um, an amazing resume you have done a lot Oh, thank you. You know, I, I follow, I trust my intuition, and I follow where it leads me. And it has led me some pretty interesting places. That's amazing. Well, well, you've lived a great life despite your beginning. And that is, um, you know, I tell people, because I work with many people who are suffering from narcissistic abuse, you know, I tell mm-hmm. them that, that the silver lining in it, <clears throat> which is very difficult to see when you're in the midst of the pain, mm-hmm. is that it, <clears throat> it, excuse me, <clears throat> it releases you from all your issues and allows you to be open and, uh. and create, you know, it does. It's just, it's like it floats everything you need to work on about you up to the surface and you cannot yeah. look away. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> You know, I, I'm like, I've got my hands out with ten fingers. I'm like, okay, i got this issue, this, this issue, this issue, this issue, you know. Yeah. And um, it's like you've got to work on them because otherwise you're miserable. So that is the silver lining in this kind of abuse. Yes, and I also feel, again, I, I go back to the structure of the world itself, the natural world, the human body, and that is we are created to heal. And and no matter what the what we sustain, our natural impulse is always going to be to find a way to heal. So that was something that was important for me to remember in, in the most acute uh, stages of of when I had was realizing what had happened to me. You know, sometimes we're very young and we don't really know what's happening, and 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 we just know it hurts, right? But then, as we grow, we go, oh my gosh, this is this is what I went through, and then we have a big another whop of pain, because like, oh my gosh. But then, 
we realize that we wouldn't have even discovered that unless our first impulse was to go to healing. And so I feel that we can look at whatever situation we are in life, and we're continually, you know, we're continually recovering, getting better from these things. Um, we can we can know that the energy of the universe is on our side to to heal from this. Wow. Such a such a wonderful positive message that we all really appreciate hearing. I wanted to read something from this book. It's sort of right in the center, and it's called mm-hmm. Two Makers. And I like this because this is very empowering to people, um, especially to um, those people who I work with and who often listen to my podcast, um, because they have a very hard time accepting who they are and Mm -hmm. self-validating. So this is really self-validating. Okay, I'm going to read it. Mm -hmm. If it matters to you, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make money. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make headlines. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make friends. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make things easier. It doesn't matter if you don't know what it is. It doesn't matter if you don't know what's going on, but it does matter. It doesn't matter if it seems obvious. It doesn't matter if it seems silly. It doesn't matter how it seems. You do not matter how you seem. You matter how you are. It doesn't matter if it comes easily. It doesn't matter if you struggle with it. It matters if you don't make it. It matters if you don't make it matter. It matters if it bothers you. It matters if it makes you laugh. It matters if it makes sense. It matters if it bleeds. It matters if it makes you cry. It matters. You matter. You make it matter. You make it. You make you. Oh, love that. Love that. That's Thank incredible. You. Thank you. Well, I do feel that creating is is a tremendous source of healing for all of us. And and I I can't recommend making anything <laughs> enough. <laughs> that was kind of an awkward sentence, but <laughs> creativity is 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 the deep answer and it doesn't have to be you don't have to be an artist as such you don't have to be a writer as such you just have to feel the impulse to make it could be a meal it could be you could be stitching something now you could be creating order in your office um any kind of creativity a garden a uh working with a child these are the things that that matter Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And, you know, I wonder, um, some people don't have a creative spirit. I mean, I I think there are people who are just, you know, very um, work-oriented, detail-oriented in that way. I'm a creative spirit. And if I don't create something every day, I'm Uh I'm miserable. I must create, whether it's jewelry, art, um, writing. Whatever it is, I must do it every day. And and on the days where I'm not feeling so great, I'm like, that's it. I haven't created anything. <laughs> so so I'm going to create something. I'm going to write an article, whatever it is. But you're absolutely right. Creating does make you feel wonderful. So your book is called Glad to be Human. 
Um, tell us why we should we should be glad to be human. Well, uh, I, 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 so it sort of goes back to that idea of it being a natural way to be in the universe and that it's necessary for us to feel glad about who we are, for us to do the things that we came here to do. Uh, I can understand why the human race gets a bad reputation, but I think it's also important to realize that the kind of focus that is placed on bad behavior outweighs most of our personal experience in life. So we are being drawn to really large uh, often large, difficult uh, behaviors in human beings. And I, I'm not saying they don't exist, but if that's our sole focus, then what happens is it's, it's like the atom. It's like, well, I, I don't even think I want to create anything. I don't, and, it, and what happens when that happens is we want to withdraw from the human race. It's like I don't even want to identify with being a human being. And when that happens... We withdraw, and that isolation in itself is not good for us. We're, we're social creatures. We're meant to be together. And it's certainly not good for the human race to withdraw our own energy for it. Now, if you think about that, again, that analogy with atoms and cells, maybe they don't get that they're part of our human body, but they kind of get a kick out of doing what they do. And I, I feel that we might not understand what larger system we're a part of, but when we are working together, now we can feel kind of those larger organs uh, working in a symphony orchestra or a sports team or a school or a hospital, a movie set. These larger entities need us to function well, just as we need our atoms and our cells and our organs to function well. So I think it's all part of the universal energy. And and we, it doesn't do – I'm not saying it can't build a case to to feel bad to be human, but I don't see where that does anybody any good. So I just feel like that is a big waste of energy. <laughs> and by finding the things in our own experience, and I'm not even talking about necessarily behaviors. I'm just talking about what it means to be alive in a human body and, and to experience the pleasures of the things that we see and we smell and taste and touch and the things that with the music that we hear and all of these astonishing things that are part of this world. That's only the senses. When we think about our immense emotional capacity, it, 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 it's just, it brings chills to my, to my spine to think about all of the tremendous areas of human life that we have to celebrate, the depths of our feelings, positive and negative, the, the places our minds reach, our imagination. There are just so many wonderful aspects about being alive as a human being that it's important to remind ourselves of those every day. And there's always, you know, one of the things that I think is perfectly grand about this time period is building up into this difficult set of challenges that we have been facing in the last couple of months on so many levels. For the last few years, 
people have been building up their gratitude practice. I mean, you couldn't walk into a bookstore without seeing 50 gratitude journals. You can't pick up a paper without somebody saying, okay, three times, you know, name three things when you get up or name three things when you go to sleep. Gratitude is such a great foundation for being glad because you're reminding yourself out of your own experience. You're creating your own experience of why it is a tremendous honor to be a human being. And um, so I, I think it's really uh, it's, it's so important for not only our own personal well-being, but for the human race and the planet as a whole that we really treasure what is great about being human and congratulate it in other people, help other people see reasons you're glad to be human. Actually, you can upload a reason you're glad to be human on my website. Uh, I have a nice little uh, uh, page for glad to be human, and I've asked people to upload reasons they're glad to be human. You can go there and and read other people's reasons that they're glad. So that's kind of heartening to realize all of the different things that make people so glad to be part of this race that we share. Tell us, um, what is your website, just so, so we make oh, sure we can Oh, it's irenogarden.com. Okay. Oh, that's easy. All right. We got yeah. that. And there's a we Glad to be Human page, and if you go there, you can see where you can upload, and you can see where you can read where other people, what other people have to say. That's awesome. Um, you know, you were talking about gratitude. Gratitude is so healing, and gratitude takes us out of ourselves. Um, you know, when... When I have a client that I'm working with that is kind of stuck in their pain, mm-hmm. I always recommend gratitude. I tell them uh. to focus only on gratitude because it takes them away from what they're wallowing in, what they're ruminating mm-hmm. about, and it puts them in a better headspace. So mm-hmm. I am right there with you. I, you know, For me, when I grasped that concept, everything changed. Um, looking at life with gratitude, um, there's miracles that happen all day long. Everything is a miracle. Our bodies are miracles. Everything is a miracle. We don't need this great big flash of light yeah. to create miracles. They're happening all the time. Uh, so I think that's that's truly amazing. Um, so what about faith and spirituality and everything like that, do we have to be in that mindset in order to embrace this humanity that we are? Well, as far as I'm concerned, if you're not feeling faith and you're not feeling intention and you're not feeling belief, i got no problem with that. that. I am fine with that. I believe that if you have a human body, you have the basis for optimism. Again, you just you you can sit for a moment with your eyes closed and sense your immense vitality. That vitality, that energy alone is optimism. That is aliveness. That is I'm meant to be here-ness. My body breathes in and out without me doing anything. And that makes me go, I get it. I am not. I, 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 I am meant to be here. There's a reason to be here. And even though I might 
not totally consciously understand what that is, I can trust that. And once we have that trust in our own physicality, then we can begin to concentrically build it outward uh, into the world, into first just our world, because um, our world is the world, you know, and our world is made up of the things that we are thinking to ourselves and believing about it. So if we if we were, if we rely on simply our body, our body itself becomes our faith. Our body itself becomes the belief that we are meant to be here. We have stuff to do, and we're meant to be healthy. We're meant to be happy. So what about, you know, suffering? Because there's physical suffering. <clears throat> there's all kinds of suffering. Physical oh, suffering yeah. is really the one thing that is very difficult to think your way out of. So yeah. where, do we, where do we find that beauty um, if we're hurting? I think we certainly acknowledge our pain. I think we acknowledge our suffering. And I think we may connect with other people who have shared that same kind of suffering. Um, if we dwell too long in it, again, it goes back to that, yikes, I don't want to be here, or I don't want to be part of the human race, I don't want to be alive. So it's about understanding when we reach the point where we are not connecting with other people. You know, I, I look at gladness and optimism as a connecting force. And the truth is that's what the universe is also about, is that connection. So when we are suffering, I'm not saying we ignore it, but maybe we connect with someone, maybe we share that in some way, and maybe we begin to look outside of that soul, that soul concentration on that one particular kind of energy and we again rely on the body we rely on on you know one of the things that was really helpful for me uh my response to my the narcissism in my childhood was to overeat so i had uh, for a lot, many decades an issue with overeating and and uh, weight issue and body image issues and all that kind of stuff. And I think one thing to remember about the suffering that we endure is it is definitely the foundation of our compassion for one another. And so uh, for the suffering that I have had in my life, I am grateful that it did teach me compassion for people who are suffering. So there's a bit of gratitude you can offer to your own suffering because, in a sense, it is bringing you closer to other human beings. So we acknowledge that suffering, we connect, and we also enlarge our experience around it. It is not who we are. Our suffering is not who we are. Our, our joy is not actually who we are. These are things we experience. Our being is much larger than that. Can we describe it? No, of course not. We, but we can acknowledge it. We can recognize it in ourselves. So we, we acknowledge the suffering, we maybe connect with people in the suffering. We connect with our own body. Uh, one of, as I started to say earlier, one of the things that has been very healing for me is, is moving my body, 
is exercising, is getting the endorphins that are naturally belonging to us when we move our body, that can take us out of suffering immediately, just going for a walk, because then we're opening up to what's going on around us. We're opening up perhaps to nature or perhaps to city life. Uh, so, so that, I think, can relieve our suffering. And certainly, I'm sure you suggest journaling, and people have uh, found other artistic ways to express that. But remember, suffering is not a home in which we dwell, especially once we're old enough to move out of a home in, which has contained a lot of suffering. We need not dwell there. We acknowledge it, but everything is uh coursing batch of energy so you know we're not living there now now we are moving into new new territory so i would acknowledge it i would share it and and it's not to say that it might not rise up again but when it rises up you remember we remember that we are larger than that suffering and that that suffering is really meant to connect us with one another and then to be left behind. That scar tissue will cover the wound. It's a natural procedure. So um, I hope that's helpful. It is. It's very helpful. Can we expect to be glad all the time? <laughs> I think we can find a reason if we're, if we're really looking at it. Uh, again, uh, we, we, um, I think we're always going to have experiences that shock and puzzle us and throw us off balance and all that because that is just how this system works it's just how it works but i think we can always it's like balance you know gladness you could sort of compare it to balance are we always going to be glad no but can we always recover our balance yes can we always recover our gladness absolutely gotcha once we wow yeah, great answer. Look around. Irene, yeah, Irene, we need to clone you, make little little Irenes, and keep them in our pocket. No, you know? All we need to do is each of us reach into ourselves yes. because I am just saying something that people recognize because it's true in themselves. You're right. You know? I, and and part of it is I've simply built up a vocabulary over the years, but but a vocabulary is not an experience, and everyone can have this. Experience. Mm. And, and reach into it and go back for it and keep asking for it and say it to yourself as you drop off to sleep and use the dream state to give you a hand. <laughs> we totally can do this. Mm. That's so good to know. I can I can understand that. I can understand that, you know, that that's very true for all of us. Um, it's just, a, I guess it's getting out of a habit of being in a funk, <laughs> living in a funk, mm -hmm. and just turning it all around and just saying, you know what, I'm going to just look at it differently. I'm just going to look mm -hmm. at everything differently. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it also helps to observe children. Um, children are, yes, they suffer. You bet they do. But they, they let it go. They just let it go. They go on to the next thing. It's like, oh, okay, oh, he broke my deal, you know, and we have a good cry, and then we go on. And, and to see the forward motion in children is a really beautiful thing. So if you're ever feeling a little, eh, 
if you can get around some kids, you can observe kids, or I, I'm sure they're probably YouTube <laughs> playgrounds. I don't know. Um, I, I do teach children when I'm uh, when we're not in lockdown. Uh, although I did some on, um, on 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 Google Meets. I did teach some poetry workshops with kids. Uh, they're they're really really. Um, they're how do I want to say little gurus for us, you know. Watch how they move through life, and and take them take them as a as an example of how they're always going to go back to being curious, you know. Curious curiosity is another beautiful um, quality that we have as human beings, and. The older I get, the curiouser I get, <laughs> and it's good to look at it, you know, if we're looking at our own emotional well-being, to say, well, I'm kind of curious about where did this come from, or how can I move past this, or, so, and, and, and it offers a little bit of detachment um, that keeps us from identifying with, only with our suffering, identify with our humanness, much bigger, a lot more space in there. Of, yeah, um, you've done extensive traveling, Irene, and um, and you write a lot about that. Where? What are some of the places that you've been? Oh well, uh, heavens, we really have been many many places. We are very privileged. I'm married to a man who would rather travel than do almost anything. <laughs> oh, okay. So, and I've always said I, I'd follow him to the ends of the earth. And actually, we have been to many ends of the earth. You know, we've been to Samoa. <laughs> yeah. Because he wanted to go to Robert Louis Stevenson's grave, we've uh, we've been to um, we went to Easter Island and some of the islands in the uh, South Pacific, and that was beautiful. Um, there's a an extended um, uh, I was going to say essay, but it sounds too serious if I say essay. But you can take a little trip to Paris in uh, in this book. Uh, you can go to Budapest. You can. Uh, trying to think where else oh uh carlsbad caverns and israel are also part of this book so if you feel like doing a little armchair traveling um you're welcome to do so if you look at glad to be human (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm looking at um at this um page that says coincidence of rarities um oh yeah this one struck me of course right in your neighborhood yeah, as plants go, it's an eyesore. Scarred, scallopy, leathery, leathery, lesioned leaves, all akimbo on the bony stems. 364 days a year, that is. So most of us in that case would pull that out, you know. But some unpredictable summer night, a prehistoric dinosaur's scaly head lifts from the troubled leaves and opens to a melon-sized, pristine, fragrant wheel of glory. It is the legendary night blooming Sirius, a paradise for moths, a silken tunnel of immaculate complexity. This opulent, ephemeral wedding of a flower has inspired parties for centuries. We've held one or two ourselves. As we left for Canada, we noted the swelling buds and resigned ourselves to missing this year's display. Yet our lumpy friend reserved her two spectacular blooms for the very night of our return as we sat in admiration the waxing moon set early, leaving a dark, starry stage for another annual rarity, the Perseid meteor shower. No haze, no clouds. For the first time in several years, we could watch the thrilling, erratic archery of shooting stars. The shooting stars, quick silver blossoms, the Sirius, a slower shooting star, 
unity in rarity. <laughs> I love that. You know, because I, <laughs> and, and as I'm reading that, I'm thinking to myself, <clears throat> I would have pulled that thing out. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be looking at just a leathery, dying-looking thing in my garden <laughs> waiting for one day or a few days a year for this beautiful bloom. Um, that's faith. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Worth waiting for. Worth waiting for. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, so a lot of times when, you know, I know when when people don't aren't not in the habit of gratitude and gladness and thinking optimistically, um, they sometimes think, well, maybe if I do this for a certain amount of time, I will get this reward. And so there's always a sort of an end, uh, uh, something attached to why they're doing this. So it's not about the attachment, though. It's not about the end game, right? Uh, Are you talking about optimism or are you talking about a a gratitude practice? I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Well, I'm talking about changing the way that you think, looking at the world, changing, having gratitude. Yes, let's talk about a gratitude practice. Um, uh-huh. Some people think, well, you know, there's an end goal to this. If they're, if they're not practiced at it, they're like, well, what is my end goal? Uh-huh. Um, so what would you say to that? Well, uh, you know, I would say if an end goal helps you, by all means, put an end goal there. Say, you know, all right, after I've done a week's worth of gratitude three times a day uh i'm gonna give myself a reward and let let the you know cook up your own reward okay it's a habit that you want to build for yourself because it's a habit that will reward you every single time you do it but if but if somebody needs to set up something outside of themselves to say well what you know how can i how can i encourage myself to do this Great. I say great. But what will happen is you'll just see that, oh, it feels good. That's that's the reward. The reward is it feels good to appreciate life, to not feel an adversarial stance against life or against ourselves or against those we have been in contact with. We want to feel uh, we want to feel as you said earlier, open. We want to feel open to life. And and grounded in our own in our own capacity to react in reasonable ways to life and to regain that balance. So, uh, if it helps you to attach some kind of reward to a gratitude practice, great. But you will swiftly find out that you actually don't need that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things start to shift and change when you begin looking at life this way. Um, <clears throat> what do you say to people who say, oh, that's just magical thinking, you can't be happy all the time? They don't like, they don't, some people don't like happiness around them all the time. Why is and, that? Uh, None of us is happy all the time. I mean, you talk to my husband, I have my moments. (laughs) But I think that's not what we're talking about, because that is unrealistic. Because that is is not looking or experiencing life as it is. I mean, even in 
the in this book, I you know I talk about I have an essay about nine eleven. I have an essay about the Boston Marathon bombing. It's not about not living in the world with the challenges that we are called to have, but. I was asked, it's about how we see them, and that is always under our control. Well, I don't like the word control, but we can always choose how we are looking at whatever we are experiencing. Uh, and, and we can rely on help from deeper parts of ourselves, from not totally conscious parts of ourselves. I'll give you an example. I was asked to speak uh, uh, on the air at a... Um, uh, Columbia University has something called the Earth Initiative, and I was asked to participate in the discussion uh, about how people were responding to the pandemic. And this was in, I want to say, April, so it was fairly early on. And um, yeah, it's not like I'm not noticing there's a pandemic, and I'm not. I, I'm certainly highly aware that you know the, the the illness that our society has been suffering from in terms of race is now erupting and which is the way i look at it i'm looking at oh my god this disease has finally broken out in its way so we're we're dealing with a couple of things here but here is my take on that i i woke up uh, uh the morning i was to speak on this show and uh, i i'd been thinking about Wow, the, the, everything I knew, it looked like everything I knew was kind of melting. You know, the financial system was melting, the education system was melting, our whole social, cultural ways of being were just kind of liquefying in front of us. And I am hesitant to go like, oh, is this a Great Depression? Is this a Great Recession? Because, again, I'm not saying you can't build a case for it. I am saying that that makes people feel like, well, let's just give it all up. You know, what? Mm-hmm. Why could we? And I, you know, so I wanted to to go. Well, what is what is abundant now in this peculiar time period we're living in? And the phrase, the great compassion, came to mm-hmm. me as I was coming out of my dream state. So rather than looking at this as we're living in the Great Depression, we're living in the Great Compassion. Because look around us, people are not just healthcare workers and delivery people and food people and all of this, but people are. There's a kind of uh, a kindness that is happening all over the globe, and the image that came to me there is. It wasn't until a couple of years ago when I was teaching these children. Um, remember, I told you I teach poetry to children uh, with the intention of connecting them with nature. And it was only a couple of years ago that I discovered that the caterpillar, when a caterpillar, first we all know the caterpillar life cycle, which is consume, 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 which sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? (laughs) So it's consume, consume, and that's all it does. Then it gets itself into this chrysalis where it is essentially in lockdown, right? Uh, It's not going anywhere. Well, when it is inside the chrysalis, it liquefies. All of its system liquefies. Wow. It becomes sort of juice, caterpillar juice. And the only thing that's in there in addition to caterpillar juice are these things that are called imaginal cells, which is a <laughs> term I love. And those are clumps of cells that are going to become butterfly antenna, butterfly eyes, 
butterfly wings. Interestingly enough, when the caterpillar's immune system, the juicy immune system, comes across these, it first attacks them. It's like, who are you? We don't know who you are. And, but it eventually, uh, it eventually accepts them. And when it comes time to come out of the chrysalis, we have this astonishingly completely transformed winged being. My take on the pandemic and all that's happening right now is that human consciousness itself, all over the world, is, is going through this metamorphosis and that we will come out of this, the human race will come out of this as a transformed being of much greater beauty and light uh, than we have been in our caterpillar days. I 100% agree with you. I do. I think this is a metamorphosis, and uh, we will never be the same. It, it's it's mm-hmm. going in a different direction. Um, you know, as somebody, and as someone who's spiritual, I mean, I know that we are. Um, it's the age of Aquarius. We're moving, you know, yeah. from the third dimension to the fifth dimension, and there's all kinds of consciousness that's opening up. People are getting, you know, people are grasping onto this idea of consciousness, and things are really changing. This is mm-hmm. just th- this is so profound. There's just nothing else that's ever stopped the world um, that it has to be a metamorphosis. I completely, mm-hmm. completely agree with you. Um, so I was thinking, you know, in order to um, heal from narcissistic abuse or something that dreadful, uh-huh. we have to we have to come to an acceptance because we're never going to get validation um, from That's the right. person who did it. So we have to come to an acceptance of it is what it is, and from mm-hmm. that we can build up and create happiness and desire and all these kind of things. So Mm -hmm. do we have to accept ourselves before we can begin being glad about it, being appreciating it, being appreciative of life? Is acceptance part of this? I think acceptance is is great because it beats rejection. (laughs) Um, We can only reject our our pain so long you know we can only reject our pain so long and and if we are rejecting it chances are we're projecting it we are taking that pain if we're rejecting our own pain we are we are projecting that onto other people other groups of people we are you know that's what happens when pain gets displaced is it gets it gets outwardly pushed up and 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 that's not that's that's not a way to heal it's just not a way to heal we see a, we see a lot of it uh we also uh the other reaction to uh the, the, a lack of self self acceptance and i'm not saying i didn't do this in my in the process of my healing but distraction becomes distraction and addiction become compelling to us because they seem like they're going to deliver us from our pain right Right. absolutely but when we come you know face to face in the mirror with that pain and we just go okay you know what everybody has some pain in life right we're not we were not singled out 
to just have, okay, you're the only person who's going to, and have our self-worth bound up with that. We just go, you know what? There, everybody has their deal. Everybody has their deal. Some people have happy childhoods and wretched adulthoods. Um, that's what my therapist told me. She said, you know, basically, you either have it kind of horrible when you're a kid and it gets better, or sometimes you just have it just fine when you're a child and then you learn to deal with issues as an adult. That can be tremendously challenging. So I like to think I got the worst of mine over with early. <laughs> and And then once we do accept the pain, Again, remember that that suffering is the foundation of compassion, right? I have suffered, therefore I can recognize when you are suffering and try to do what I can to not make you suffer and perhaps even to help alleviate the suffering that you have. And so then we become a working part, a playing part, a healing part of the world. So I agree with you that that acceptance is really important, but I don't think it has to happen. Um, I don't think it ha- it happens in a linear way. I don't think it's like, okay, well, all right, now first I'll accept myself and then I'll be glad. I think you <laughs> begin to look for gladness now, and as you find that gladness in a daily on a daily basis, you that, that begins to heal that suffering. It begins to help you accept that suffering. You watch, you know, not every caterpillar makes it. A bird comes by and snatches one up. Ah, well, you feel the pain of that creature being swallowed. And yet, you go, well, I'm part of a peculiar world that this is, where, this is how things operate. And right. so it makes us more accepting of life in general. And once we're more accepting of life in general, we can be glad to be alive, which is <laughs> one of the most important things we can be. You know, I was—I have a big, big smile on my face because when you were saying um, that your therapist said, you know, if you either have it in your youth and then you know you work through that and then you have a better adulthood, or you, you know, have a great childhood and then you, you're hit with something in adulthood. And I, I completely—I mean, I say this—I completely agree with it. And I am with you that I'd rather have it in the childhood. And get it over with, and then just live a great adulthood. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I would rather. But you're going to get it sometime. Adversity mm-hmm. hits everybody. It's part of living. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, people tend to look at others and think that they have it better than they do. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's we never want to measure ourselves in terms of someone by someone else. It's just really, and that's why I read that one thing. It's, it's really about just being who you are, loving who you are, yeah. understanding yeah. that you're so important here, or you wouldn't be here. You know, your life right. is important. It absolutely is. And again, we go back to that idea of what you make is important. So think about what it is you might want to be making. And some people make organizations. Some people make beautiful dinners. Some some people make mistakes. <laughs> we all do. Done, but we we, begin, do. we embrace those. We embrace those. We say, oh, oh, isn't that human? That's so human. And it's human to compare ourselves. All we have to do is recognize that and go, oh, whoops, I don't have to do that because that does not contribute to my happiness. We get to choose things that contribute to our happiness. 
we get to make those choices conscious. And so if we're feeling jealous, we go, oh, jealous, yeah. That's that human thing. That's been a lot of Grimm's fairy tales. That's been (laughs) part of the human race. I recognize it, but I recognize that it doesn't empower me. It doesn't enable me. It doesn't make my life any better. I got to drop that. I, I, you know, I got too much stuff I'm carrying. I got to drop that. I want to carry only the stuff that's doing me good. Amen. Wow. You are so right. What do we say to people other than handing them this book? Um, <laughs> people who are just so, you know, such naysayers. How do we encourage others to? Be glad that they're human. Um, Well, I think one of the ways that we do that is by being glad ourselves. You know, Um, I I, I like this idea of creating evidence. You know, I like to create. One of my favorite things to create is evidence for the world I want to live in. So one thing that I do, here's just a simple example, a daily example. I love it when the cashier gives me back too much change. And so I'll go, oh, you gave me too much change. And, you know, 98% of the time they go like, oh, you're so honest. You're I go like, no, nah, this, like, this, is, this is the world I want to live in. And so in that moment, not only have I created for myself a world with honest people who are going to return things that don't belong to them, I've created that for myself, but I've also, in three dimensions, created that for the cashier. I've created her experience, her physical experience of the world being an honest place. So I would say to someone who, uh, that, that, uh, that one of the things that we can do for those who are suffering around us is to be glad ourselves and to create the world in which we want to dwell. It is up to each of us to create that world of ideals that we carry within us that come as natural part of our equipment, like the imaginal cells that the caterpillar has while it's Love that. we carry Love that. those wings. We carry those eyes. We carry all of that within us. And so it's up to us to activate that. People have their own process. You know, I would love nothing more than to be able to give wings to somebody who's in the middle of a, of a chrysalis. We can't really do that, but we can encourage by how we are in the world. We can and point out, that, well, this is something that makes me glad. I'm glad for this. I'm sorry you're in pain. You know, recognize what the person is going through, but do, we have to do our best not to help them live there. We have to do our best to, you know, pre- present alternative ways of seeing life and being in life. So live by example. Yeah. Live by example. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's that's really the best way to do it because we can't tell people, oh, stop thinking like that. You know, <laughs> you're so negative. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you can I I... say, well, here's one way to look at it. I, I have often said that. People, <laughs> people know <laughs> that that's, that's part of my uh, – they're, they're like, well, yeah, the way Irene might look at it is. Right, you know. yeah. Sometimes I say but, something but I and then – yeah, sometimes I say something and I don't even realize that. that it has a negative connotation and somebody will, like, 
say, well, let's say it this way. And I'm like, oh, did I really just... Did I really just say that in such a negative yeah. way? Oh, I, you know, no, thank you. Thank you for, uh-huh. for bringing that to my attention because I don't want to talk yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have to live by example. How long How long have you had this book in you? Well, uh, since I was a child, probably. Okay. <laughs> but... Um, I would say that I began to do some of the writing really over, mostly over the last uh, five to ten years. Um, the the essay that is the crown of this um, won a literary prize called the Pushcart Prize, uh, and it's called Glad to Be Human. And I've, I that essay has been part of me for quite some time, and it was published some years ago on its own, but. Um, to have this whole collection all together uh, has been really a delight. Uh, essays sound very long and boring. They're really, as you can tell, kind of most of them are really short, just observations and, and, and pieces in the world. And that happened over some, you know, ever, I don't know, four years, five years. And then uh, the, the travel pieces have been over the last, well, I guess we went to Paris Probably, I mean that particular trip we've been since, but we went. Uh, I would say that was maybe the late '90s. So, um, so yeah, it's it's been ripening for a while. <laughs> and this is the Glad to Be Human essay. This is, um, I think, page two fifteen. This is at the end of your book. Is that is that yes. the one you're talking uh-huh. about? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is really good. Yeah. Um, really, really positive. I love it. I read that. Uh, so I re- so we found out about your website and um, mm-hmm. tell us um, what's in the workings for you. Um, well, it's interesting. I've been doing uh, so, uh, so much reaching out with the book that uh, I I do have a suite of Corona poems that I have that I've been working on. Um, so there's that, and um, but mostly it's really about how can I support this view. In this time period, um, where it seems to be something that people really value and they really they need that, and then I have been able to get out into the garden for the first time in several years. So, so I mean, to do actually to be growing vegetables and so forth. I've always done a little bit of gardening, but but this, so this year has been really kind of great. And we also rescued a pup. So <laughs> he's a bit of a handful, is dear Sparky, but he's swell. He's a great guy. Oh, that's so sweet. How, was he a baby or was he a, a he's, he's nine months old. We got him about six weeks ago. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you're raising a baby. you got uh, a new baby in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy, that's creative, let me tell you. <laughs> Keeps you on your toes. It does. Yes. Oh, Irene, this has been so, so much fun. Um, your book, Glad oh. to be Human, um, where do we get this? I mean, I know, I'm sure Amazon is. Um, Absolutely, on Amazon. You can get it on Indie Books, Barnes & Noble. Um, it is Kindleable. Uh, it also has some photographs that I've taken over the years, so um, which is probably easier not on Kindle, but I actually haven't looked at the Kindle version. They could be perfect. So, um, the one picture that stands out is the Saddleback Caterpillar. Oh. Is that what it is? Yes. Is what, oh, my gosh, what a strange-looking little guy. Uh, yeah. And it stung you. It stung you, right? It did. I didn't know there was such a thing as a stinging caterpillar. 
<laughs> but it's a very um, cool looking thing. Do I mean? Do are they everywhere? Or are they just like in the I've, northeast? I, I have been in the Hudson Valley for you know almost thirty five years, and have never run into one. So I don't know if they're a new addition or <laughs> <laughs> some kind of um, yeah. Yeah, but wow, it looks like he actually has a saddle on his back. Very cool-looking little guy. <laughs> he does, and he has this kind of, well, they, they call it a startle display. he That's the name of the uh, the little piece of writing about him. <laughs> and it's like, wow, you do jump when you see this this guy. He's really... How big was but this? Then you I mean, realize, I'm, looking oh, at, I'm, just... I'm looking at it on the leaf. What is it, about an, half an inch, inch long? How long would you say this thing is? Uh, let's see. It was probably at least an inch, if I'm looking at my little finger. Um, Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, and he's bristly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks like he could, you know, clean a shower stall or something like that. Anyway, um, <laughs> Irene, this has been so much fun. Thank you for oh, being my guest. thank you. And my joy, Randy. Thank you so much for letting me connect with your friends out there and uh, and with you. Yes, and, and this uplifting that you've given all of us. I've had a smile the entire time, so that's a really <laughs> good thing. You. So you've set me up for my day. Um, oh, I'm be good. so happy to hear it. Thank yes. you so much. All right, Irene. Well, enjoy your garden and enjoy all that you're doing, and um, thank you for writing this beautiful book and being the person that you are and sharing that with oh, us. Appreciate it. Thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, You too. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. So we are out of time, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. Gee, I'm thinking about that, love your life. That really fits so well into this show. But anyway, that's been my email for a long time, loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.